0: Hello, and thank you for joining us for Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, Season 2, Episode 2, The Bone-Eyed Spider. If this is your first time listening to Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, you might want to go back and start at Season 1, Episode 1, The Egg, to get the full story. My name is Marin Langdon Spillane, and today we are thrilled to welcome back special guest artist Sarah Hopkins. Please check the show notes for links to Sarah's amazing coloring page. Before we start, I want to give a big thank you to Tessie in California and to Richard and Elaine and Lucinda, all in Vermont, for joining us on Patreon. You should be receiving some fad pack stickers shortly, and we can't wait to see you at the live show. One thing that I love about stories that you listen to is that everyone imagines the story a little bit differently. I know how it looks in my head, but I love to see how other people imagine things, so I encourage all of you listeners to grab your favorite supplies and draw, sculpt, paint, or create anything that you are inspired to while listening. Then you can share your creation with us during one of our live shows, post on our Facebook page, or email it to us at PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. And now, let us begin. Season 2, Episode 2 of Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, The Bone-Eyed Spider. Previously on Fadpack, Beatrice, a mother dragon, and her five children, Azrael, Petra, Edwin, Lyle, and Smudge, set off on a quest to find Beatrice's missing egg, which they believe was stolen by the fairies and ponies. They are joined by knight and training Talora Shamsa and Tom Thomas, a stable boy. During their adventure, Beatrice suffers a near-fatal stab wound from a unicorn. Tom, Talora, and the draglings unite the fairies, ponies, and the unicorn in magic to save Beatrice's life. However, in return, the ponies ask for Beatrice's help, as they are being terrorized by a powerful dragon, Shakatala. Beatrice reveals that Shakatala is the dragling's father, whom they have never met, and Azrael sneaks off to confront his father in order to get answers to his questions. Okay, so here's the thing, Petra. I mean, you know that me and Lyle are highly successful at most things related to business. business I mean, and... I think that we could probably handle all of this on our own, but what we were thinking, me and Lyle, well, mostly me, I didn't actually ask Lyle, but he'll do whatever I say. So we were thinking that maybe you could join us, you know, as an employee of the pony spa, because honestly, I think that your skill set is uniquely positioning you to be able to do certain things that me and Lyle, not because we're not amazing, because I mean, we're team smash it up. So obviously we are, but I feel like maybe you could talk to the ponies for us. Like what's that word Talora was telling me? Liaison, Raisin? Anyway. You could go and talk to the ponies and get them to come to the pony spa. You know, like publicity or something? Anyway, I'm not really sure, but I was thinking it could be like a family business. And maybe there's even something Asriel can do if he ever comes back and stops being so grumpy. I don't think that's very good for business, if you know what I mean. Petra? 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 Petra! Oh, my stars, Edwin. What? Did you hear... Anything I just said? I was trying not to. Ooh, burn! Stay out of it, Lyle. What? I'm helping. We're busyness partners, you know. Team Smash It Up, smashing the spa busyness. It's business, Lyle, and we are Team Smash It Up. We're also egg twins, but that doesn't mean you're not annoying me right now. Well, now you're both annoying me. Petra said. (laughs) Ha. Yeah. Well, you're just. That's you're. Both of you are just. The annoying ones. Lyle scuffed at the ground while both of his sisters glared at him. Fine. Edwin, what were you talking about? Oh, right. So I wanted to know if you wanted to become an employee of the pony spa. Things are a little messy and we could really use you because, you know, you're very good at making people do exactly what you want or else. I mean, organizing things. Would I be working for you? Asked Petra. Yes, and Lyle. No, I would rather let a goat eat my tongue than work for Team Stink It Up. Besides, I have wee more important things to do. Dang, whispered Lyle. Like what? demanded Edwin. Look for our brother, who, in case you haven't noticed, is still missing. And I think he may have gone to find Shakatala. <gasps> Gasped Lyle and Edwin. A.K.A. our father, A.K.A. literally the most dangerous dragon in all of Danaya. So I'm sorry, no, I do not have time for your pony spa. Petra is totally cool. You can join us. Azrael is not with Shakatala. How do you know, Lyle? Cause he's right there. Petra and Edwin whipped around to look where Lyle had pointed. Sure enough, they could all see Azrael approaching from above. Even from this height, they could tell he was not happy. Azriel, Petra cried out. He's okay! He's okay! Mom! Mom! Asriel's here! He's okay! Beatrice, who had been holding a whispered conference with Moonbeam, also glanced to the skies. There he is. Oh, thank the moon and stars. Asriel landed, breathing heavily, and everyone quickly gathered around him, Tom and Talora dropping the pony manes they were braiding, and Carnelian and the fairies gliding down from their tree perch. Before anyone could say anything, Petra threw herself at her brother, beating her wings against his body while her younger siblings stared in shock at her. Asriel, you absolute porcupine splinter! I cannot believe you did that! You just left me! You left me behind! You can't ever do that again! Do you hear me, you toad-tongued, starfish-brained ammonite was Petra crying? Asriel put up his wings to protect himself. Jeez, Petra, enough, I'm sorry, okay? Petra pulled away, breathing hard and glaring at her brother. Asriel, Beatrice said gently, I hope you feel better. We were beginning to get worried. Azriel drew himself up to his full height and stared coolly at his mother. I went to see our father. I went to see Shakatala. What? Beatrice was shocked. Then, her voice low, she said, Asriel. That was reckless and dangerous and selfish. Mom, you really don't have any right to call me any of those things. You know that, right? Asriel shot back. Considering how much you've been keeping from me, from all of us, he added, looking at his siblings. What do you mean, Asriel? asked Petra. Let's just say that I learned a lot from dad, Asriel answered. And now, Mom, I have a lot of questions for you. Asriel, Beatrice started. I know you're upset and you have every right to be, but I need you to understand that what you did endangered us all. The ponies, your brothers and sisters. Mom, stop talking about what I did. I need you to listen to me. I would listen. Look at that mad, mad dragon face, Amethyst commented. Beatrice took a deep, smoldering breath. All right, Asriel, speak. I'm listening. So, first of all, Asriel said, beginning to pace. Why didn't you tell us about that connection that dragons feel toward the elements and their mountains? Why didn't we know about it before, like, this morning? And what happens to the dragons who lose their mountains when another dragon claims it? And why don't father dragons take care of their babies? Is that like a rule? Or can there be exceptions? I mean, what if something happens to the mother dragon? Does the father step in? And what is the whole deal with mother and father dragons anyway? Do they care about each other at all? Oh, And also, why shouldn't dragons eat ponies? I mean, how is that any different from eating like a goat? Aren't we all creatures that deserve life and respect? (laughs) Why don't we know anything about being dragons? And that reminds me, Asriel, Beatrice interrupted gently, slow down. Asriel was stalking around, his eyes wild, his words tumbling over and over each other. Beatrice noticed that his siblings were watching him and nodding. She supposed it was time they all had this information. Edwin and Lyle were a bit young, but considering everything they'd been through recently, it didn't make sense to try to shelter them anymore. She gathered her thoughts carefully, and then began, Asriel, I'm sorry. There are things about your world that you should know, and I have been too distracted to tell you. You cannot know how it feels to lose your egg, or to have your dragglings growing up. Soon you and Petra will look for your own mountains, and I suppose that I've wanted to keep you to myself for as long as possible. It's why I agreed that you come on this quest, despite your shenanigans. Azrael stopped pacing and looked at his mother. Azrael, there is no right way to be a dragon. There is no right way to be a male dragon or a father or a mother. Fathers typically don't stay with the mother and the egg because one mountain environment has a difficult time supporting two full-grown dragons. Besides, mother dragons are highly capable and ferocious creatures, and we simply don't need any assistance from fathers. But you can be whatever kind of dragon you want to be. I won't just lose myself when I grow up. Asriel. Beatrice said gently, moving close to her son and looking him full in the face. I know you. You will never lose yourself. Now, the power, as some call it, the relationship between elements and dragons, it's real. Minerals, metals, crystals, and gems from the mountain make us stronger. We use that strength to care for the land and the life that those elements are a part of. But it is dangerous. The power can become an addiction, an obsession. I was waiting until you felt it before I talked to you about it. That was a mistake. Excuse me, interjected Moonbeam. Ah, uh, I couldn't help but feel that Azrael's questions about why dragons shouldn't eat ponies really should be addressed. Ah, uh, just so that we're all clear on that point. Of course, Moonbeam, Beatrice nodded toward the pony. Azrael, dragons... Must eat other animals to survive. This is the case with all predators. Just because we kill and eat them doesn't mean that we don't respect them. We kill only what we need to survive, and we are careful to kill quickly and cleanly. We don't eat ponies, or humans for that matter, because they, like us, are stewards of their environment. They care for the land, making it healthy and more balanced for all creatures. If we killed them, we would disrupt a very important natural balance. If I may, interjected Moonbeam. I would also add that were dragons to begin eating ponies and humans on the regular, it would start some very unpleasant conflicts. Wars, even. Which would never happen with, like, goats, Edwin nodded wisely. Goats are not warlike creatures. I mean, that makes sense, I guess, said Asriel. But it just doesn't seem fair that because animals like goats or elk or whatever aren't powerful that we get to take advantage of that. It is not taking advantage, Asriel, said Beatrice. It is survival. I have a question, Petra said. So why haven't Azrael and I felt this power thing before, at our mountain? I mean, if we're old enough now to feel that connection, why didn't we feel it from our own mountain or in other places we went? Beatrice studied her two oldest children carefully. It might have just begun for you. Something in Azrael's agitated manner made her ask, Did you feel it, Azrael when you saw your father? Does he have something with him, some treasure that made you feel like you wanted it for yourself? Azrael nodded slowly. Without looking at his mother, he unclenched one of his hands, and from between his talons tumbled a brilliantly blue stone. He gave this to me, he mumbled. Our dad. It was on his armor. He was wearing this armor. It was made of solid gold and covered in all kinds of gems, and I'm sorry, Azrael, I am going to need you to repeat what you just said. Carnelian went to stand on the ground in front of the sapphire, which was easily half of their height. Though they were the smallest creature present, everyone instinctively gave them space, creating a circle around the fairy and the sapphire. Um, which part? Carnelian sighed. Oh, dragons. Not as sharp as their talons, am I right? Never mind, at least you keep your mouth closed when you think. Young Azrael, please repeat the part about the armor. Oh, it, he had this armor on. It really beautiful, mesmerizing, actually, made out of pure gold and covered in these shining gems, and the sapphire came from it. He gave it to me. Where did he get this armor? Asked Carnelian. Well, he didn't tell me the whole story, but he said it was a trade. He said that it was a good trade and fair. Azriel, did your father tell you who exactly made this most improbable and delightful trade with? No, all he said was, power does not come without sacrifice. Well, isn't that wise? Oh, well, I know who it is even if the big bad dragon doesn't want to tell. And I know what he traded. It wouldn't be the first time. And now just a moment as I pause
1: for dramatic effect.
2: ''What did he trade?''
0: whispered Edwin into the silence. ''He traded his fire,'' Carnelian announced. There was a stunned silence and then an eruption of draggling voices as everyone started asking questions. ''Wait, can you do that?'' ''I don't understand. Why would someone want a dragon's fire?'' ''How do you even give someone fire? Like, how is that exactly physically possible?'' Carnelian silenced the questions by raising one small hand. Who alive would or could make armor for a dragon? Only a fairy has that power. And there is only one fairy who would do such a thing. And there is only one thing that this fairy wants. Dragon fire. "'But not a crystal fairy, right, Carnelian?' asked Citrine. "'Ew, no, a crystal fairy would never do something that abominable. "'We may be fierce, but we are not monsters,' Amethyst said. "'No, my most astute and articulate advisors. "'Crystal fairies would never so maim a creature. "'No. "'This was clearly the work of Hemlock, "'longest branch of the Arbor Fairies. "'They live in the woods, deal with trees. "'You know the type.' Petra looked at Beatrice. Mom, how can you even take a dragon's fire? I mean, how do they live without it? Beatrice was looking worried. I don't know. I've never heard of that happening before. I can't imagine a dragon ever agreeing to give up such an important part of themselves. Our fire is... It's like our soul. And with that armor, he will be very strong. Power does not come without sacrifice, Azrael murmured to himself. Moonbeam was pawing at the ground nervously. Beatrice, you promised to rid our lands of the Shakatala, but perhaps it is too dangerous. We can find new lands. We've done it before. Beatrice stood looking out into the distance toward the bend in the Crystal River, toward the cliff where they all knew Shakatala lurked. No, he's claimed you. He will only follow if you leave. I will go soon, Moonbeam. I will... I will talk to him and if he doesn't listen moonbeam asked then i i'll do what i have to do what does that mean mom asked petra if i have to petra i will fight him but it won't come to that (gasps) you would fight our dad lyle exclaimed excitedly wait mom have you ever had to fight another dragon i mean i bet you have you are so fierce and really fast actually i'm probably also really good at fighting if you had to but mom Azrael cut lyle off you're not doing this alone i mean shakatala our dad is he's huge and he's i don't know there's something about him i don't think you should go there alone no i won't you will all come with me <gasps> all of us squeaked edwin in excitement all of you I would prefer you stayed behind, of course, but I remember what happened the last time I tried to make you do that. And perhaps it will be good for him to see you all, to remind him of who he is. "'Even Smudge, Mom?' asked Edwin, glancing over at Smudge, who had been playing in the grass with the baby ponies and now appeared to be wrestling five of them at the same time. "'No, Smudge is too young. I will leave him here, under the ponies' care, if that's all right, Moonbeam.' Where is Smudge, actually? She looked out into the grass and spotted Smudge just as he was careening into a small group of baby ponies, sending them flying in all directions. Oh, oh no! What, what is Smudge doing? Oh, that's just Pony Ball, answered Lyle. Pony Ball? Beatrice said in alarm. Yeah, it's this game Smudge and the baby ponies like to play. So basically, Smudge rolls up in a ball and then just like barrels around, seeing how many ponies he can knock over. After that, I don't really know if I understand the rules because then he basically just starts pouncing on them and wrestling with them and stuff. Beatrice sighed. Lyle, I'm not sure I... Oh, oh, Smudge, no, no, just stop. Get that pony's head out of your mouth right now. Oh, no, it's totally safe, Mom. I mean, Plum Wonder and Sunset did get kind of hurt yesterday when they got stuck in that tree after he threw them there a little bit. But Azriel said the baby animals are really good at not getting too hurt because of... Uh, what was that again, Azriel? the elasticity of their still-forming skeletal system. Right! And even the baby ponies have some healing magic, so they're totally fine, even if they were in that tree for a few hours before we could get them down. They love it! Beatrice sighed. Well, that does sound exciting. Moonbeam, as I was saying, would the ponies mind watching Smudge for us? We can ask him to stop playing this, um, pony ball. "'Honestly, Mom?' continued Lyle. "'It's better than pony snacks. That was the other game. We told him to stop, though. The babies liked it, but the older ponies looked pretty nervous, and Edwin said it wasn't good for our interspecies relations.' Uh, "'Certainly,' said Moonbeam. "'We will keep a careful eye on him.' "'Good luck with that,' Petra said as a sixth baby pony joined in the wrestling match.' And also, will you keep a careful eye on Furball, please? Edwin asked. He is very small, and I don't want him near a dragon battle. Or a dragon discussion, I mean. Even if he does have magical healing purrs. Of course, Moonbeam smiled. Beatrice, spoke up Carnelian, who was still standing by Azrael's sapphire and gazing thoughtfully into its depths. "'If it is indeed Hemlock who made this trade with your mate, the armor they traded him will be very strong and will drastically increase his natural strength. He may not have fire himself, but he will be impervious to yours. Perhaps you'd like your own armor to be better matched. I can't let Hemlock's dragon be more powerful than mine now, can I?' Oh, yes, exclaimed Amethyst as they and Citrine fluttered into the air in excitement. Obsidian for protection. Tiger's eye for confidence, Citrine added, and turquoise for power. Aquamarine for courage. Oh, thank you, but no, Beatrice interrupted the fairies. It is a most generous and wonderful offer, and truly I thank you, but I do not want such treasures near me. I fear... I fear I would rather stay as I am. I will face him myself. But you'll die, said Amethyst. Well, as you wish, Carnelian said. That is very brave. Foolish, perhaps, but brave. And remember, though he is big and crazy and has impenetrable magic armor that makes him even bigger and crazier, and he's never lost a battle, and you don't have a plan, and if you lose your draglings and your pony friends will be at his mercy and you'll never find your egg. There is probably some weakness there. You will find it, Carnelian's gaze roamed over Beatrice and her draglings. Oh yes, you will find it. Or you won't. You might die, and Citrine will be sad. That's true. I will be kind of sad, said Citrine, sounding surprised. Thank you, Carnelian, for your confidence, replied Beatrice. When will we go, Mom? When will we go and see our dad? Edwin asked. Soon, said Beatrice. We will go very soon. Beatrice, Moonbeam, and Carnelian drew apart to talk, leaving Tom, to Laura and the younger draglings alone. The draglings crowded around Asriel, peering at the sapphire that rested on the ground between his talons. I can't believe that our actual true and real-life father gave that to you, said Edwin, putting her nose close to the sapphire. What was he like? Yeah, tell us everything, said Lyle, pushing in next to Edwin and almost swallowing the sapphire in his excitement. Was he, like, really fierce? Was he covered in blood? Did he mention me? I i don't know, Azrael started. He was looking exhausted. He was really big. At first I was scared, but then... I just felt like I had to get him to answer my questions, you know? He didn't feel... He didn't feel like he was my father. He didn't feel like anything, really. Petra had shoved Lyle and Edwin aside and was studying the sapphire now. Whoa, she said softly. Asriel perked up. Can you feel it too, Petra? The the power? Petra nodded. Oh yeah, wow. I feel... Like I want to grab it and then go fly to the top of a mountain with it, sit on it, and kill anyone who comes near me. (sighs) If one little sapphire can feel that way, imagine a whole mountain's worth. I want to try, I want to try, I want to try! Edwin knocked Petra aside and took a deep breath and leaned over the sapphire, giving it a hard stare. Oh no, I don't feel anything! You're too young, Wyrm Breath, said Petra. You have to wait till you're grown, like me and Asriel. He could tell I felt it too, Asriel said thoughtfully. And he offered, oh, he made me an offer. An offer? Petra asked. Whoa, dad made you an offer? Lyle exclaimed. Was it fancy? Was it fun? What was it? Oh, I can't believe you got to talk to him. Calm down, Lyle. It wasn't a big deal. He just wanted me to, you know, join him, live with him, rule the skies and so on. (gasps) Are you kidding? That is so cool. I want to rule the skies too. That is exactly what I've always wanted to do. This is so unfair. Why does nothing good ever happen to me? Lyle, stop talking, Petra said. Asriel clearly needs a break. (sighs) Do you want something to eat, Asriel? You look terrible. Asriel shook his head. Oh, no, that's okay. I'm not not hungry. Thanks, though. You know what I mean, Lyle was telling Edwin. Not only do we not get to see our dad and we get zero offers from him or jewels, but we also can't feel the super special dragon treasure power thingy. I'm just uh, feeling really upset right now. Oh, come on, Lyle, said Edwin. You need some perspective. There are way bigger things going on right now in the world. And I mean, I am not even talking about the fact that we just opened the most popular business in the Shazboro grasslands. The only business, grumbled Lyle. I mean, Edwin said, beginning to sweep dramatically in circles as she did when she was telling a story. Just think of it. Our mom is going to fight our dad, who happens to be like the most powerful dragon in the land. And she's doing this to help protect the ponies who she has recently established a very delicate diplomatic relationship with. Meanwhile, we're all still looking for our lost egg, which we only stopped doing for a minute so that mom could get better after, I don't know, almost dying and being healed by fairies, ponies, and a unicorn. I mean, things are pretty awesome, actually. Well, when you put it that way. Lyle admitted grudgingly, looking impressed. Tom, who had stepped aside from the group with a distant look on his face, began to hum under his breath for a minute, then chuckled to himself. Huh. Weird, he said. That's so funny. What is, asked to Laura. Oh, nothing. It's probably silly. It just... this all reminds me of something. A story. What does, asked Laura. Story? I want to hear a story, exclaimed Edwin. This whole, uh... Shakatala thing. Have you ever heard the story of the bone-eyed spider? I, um... "'It sounds familiar?' replied Talora. "'No, I have not heard the story of the bone-eyed spider!' interrupted Edwin. "'Well, it's just this old story,' began Tom. "'Really old. I can't believe you don't know it, Talora. "'Anyway, this whole thing with Shakatala, it just made me think of it all of a sudden.' "'Wait, wait, let me go get Smudge. He loves stories!' exclaimed Edwin. "'Smudgy, story time!' Yeah! Smudge appeared out of nowhere, a baby pony in his mouth.
1: Oh, "'Smudgy, you
0: put Dreamwave down this instant. Ponies are not chew toys!' Edwin scolded. Smudge dropped the pony, who gave herself a vigorous shake and looked in excitement at Edwin. Can I listen to the Stoey, too? She asked. Well, of course you can. Okay, Tom, tell us the story of the bone-eyed spider. Edwin put one wing around Smudge and one wing around the somewhat soggy dream wave, and all eyes turned to Tom. He stood and started pacing, which was always how his stories began. Okay, well... Once there was a spider, the Bone-Eyed Spider, and he wanted to take over the world, but he couldn't because the world was protected by the Dragon Star, the most powerful dragon who maintained balance for all living creatures. However, the Bone-Eyed Spider was a trickster, and he wove a web made of gold and told the Dragon Star that if he could break through it, he could keep the golden web. The dragon star feared nothing and wanted the gold, so he flew right into the web, expecting to tear through it easily, but the web held. The harder he struggled, the harder it gripped him. All the while, the spider was slowly wrapping him in golden silk until he was nothing but a giant golden cocoon. The bone-eyed spider had won and could now do what he pleased in the world, while the dragon sat in the spider's web as a trophy and a reminder of how powerful the spider truly was. But what the spider didn't know is that the dragon star had an egg. An egg that held the next dragon star, destined to be stronger and wiser than its parent, destined to restore the balance that had been lost. But for now, it was nothing. It was just an egg. Is that it? Is that the whole story? asked Edwin. Yeah. Well, doesn't it sound familiar? I mean, Shakatala is the most powerful dragon, right? And his armor is gold, you said, right, Asriel? And this whole egg thing, I mean, it's just, that's a lot of similarities, right? Wait, asked Edwin. So are you saying our missing egg is the next dragon star? And the dragon star is our father? Lyle's eyes were the size of saucers. Well, here's the thing. It's a fable. It's meant to teach us about the eternal cycle of balance and fairness represented by the dragon star versus greed and power represented by the bone-eyed spider and the egg represents hope. Oh, that's nice, said Edwin. But, continued Tom, the fable is based on an ancient song that some people think is a prophecy, so I don't know. Maybe it is real. Do you know the song? Asriel asked. He was looking more alert now. Oh, yeah, I love it, but it doesn't make much sense. It starts with a story I just told you, and then it just gets weird. Sing it, sing it, sing it, said Edwin, and Smudge growled his agreement while slowly putting Dreamwave back in his mouth. Tom cleared his throat and began. Okay, ready? Beautiful music began to play, floating like tinkling bells on the breeze, Everyone turned toward the source of the music to find Citrine playing some kind of improvised string instrument. Ugh, why are you all looking at me? You ruined my groove, said Citrine. Dreamwave, I'm sorry. I took some of your tail hairs to make this. Citrine held up their instrument. Isn't it fun? I call it a banjitar. Tommy... Amethyst added, producing a small clarinet from nowhere. Are we going to jam, or what? I didn't bring my clarinet all the way from the crystal caverns for nothing. Besides, I love this song. Oh, uh, yeah, sure, sorry, uh, whenever you're ready. Hit it, Citrine, said Amethyst.
1: There once was a spider full of greed and hate With eyes of the widest bone He envied the dragon star, most powerful of all Protecting wherever he roamed The bone-eyed spider to conquer the world Tricked the mighty dragon star Wove him into a web, turned him to gold And told of it near and far The spider, now king, had extinguished all hope And could do whatever he wanted The forces of darkness won the battle that day The spider would always be vaunted Creatures must flee, for if they remained They must thrive on pain and misdeed The spider delighted as all who surrounded him Slowly made darkness their creed Those who would not disappeared from the land Giants and winged pegasi The unicorns fled and the fairies divided Melting like smoke in the sky As the stain of the spider seeped into the land Things would never again be clean And slowly, so slowly, it could barely be noticed All began to get mean But a kernel of hope remains to be found Nestled deep inside of an eggshell The egg of the dragon star Secret and safe, full of promise it has yet to tell When the time is right, the egg, now a star, will put balance back in its place. When the black unicorn, born from poison within, forged by love and exceptional grace. When the sea protects sky, and together they free the white dragon, giant protected. When the soul exchange, power and greed, then recovered in love, is accepted. The last battle upon a spider found in the stone, hiding there in plain sight. The darkest of nights will meet on the field, a night that is black but not night. A rider flies forth on the wings of a horse, summoned by the black unicorn. And a voice from the stars pierces the darkness, meaning hope is finally born.
0: There was total silence as everyone stared at Tom. Even Smudge and the little pony Dreamwave were frozen, staring at Tom, who shrugged nervously and laughed. No applause? Rude, said Amethyst. Yeah, I know, it's kind of a weird song. But if it's a prophecy, then maybe there's a connection. Tom, asked Laura, what was that line about the black unicorn? Born from poison and forged by love and grace? That's, that's Mintini. Mintini turned black after healing Beatrice from his poison, right? This prophecy sounds like it could be about us. The silence was broken by carnelian who along with beatrice and moonbeam had joined the audience tom tom you are brilliant you may have just found our dragon friend's precious little egg what <laughs> what do you mean no i it's just a song it's a silly song it can't be well i could be wrong of course not that i ever have been before but this seems to be a time of first so who knows You could just be a never-ending fount of useless songs and information whose only purpose is to make the faces of small creatures look like that. Carnelian pointed to the younger draglings in Dreamwave, who were all staring adoringly at Tom. But I hope not, Tom-Tom, both because I would really hate the experience of being wrong, and also because I like you, and I want you to do great things. Anyway, I digress. Amethyst? Citrine? Amethyst and Citrine fluttered down to join Carnelian yes diamond wing we're leaving we need to go check on something several somethings this bone-eyed spider business this prophecy there may be something to it we need to find out where are you going beatrice looked worried and do you really think that this song this prophecy has something to do with my egg rest assured beatrice if it does you will be the first to know carnelian said well the fourth to know amethyst pointed out because there are three of us you me and citrine and we will all know before the dragon unless you plan to find out and not tell us which seems like it would be really really yes 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 amethyst thank you for your astute and extremely literal correction anyway we'll be back when we have the relevant information amethyst fluttered to lyle and landed on his nose "'Be careful, Lyle, dragon. I do not want you to die while I'm gone. You are my favorite pet.' "'I will, Amethyst! Don't worry about anything!' Lyle called after them as the three fairies took flight. After they had disappeared from view, the draglings, Beatrice, Tom, and Talora looked at each other. "'Well,' said Talora, looking at Smudge, "'maybe we'll find your egg-twin after all.' Beatrice nodded, her face hardened. She seemed to come to a decision." If Carnelian knows where to look next for my egg, my baby, then there's no time to lose. I will confront Shakatala tomorrow. Hello again. If you'd like to know what happens next, please join us for Episode 3, Bob, Who is a Pony, with special guest artist Aaron Davis. If you have any questions, comments, or artwork you'd like to share, please email PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. Petra handles all of our communication for us, and so far she has only broken three computers. Also, a quick thank you to Esme in Vermont for your wonderful review on iTunes. That was so nice to see. If you are enjoying FadPack, there are a few simple and fun ways to support the show. If you can leave a rating or a review on the device that you're listening from, go for it. We would love that. This is a great way to help others find the show, and it really means a lot to us and to Petra. You can also join us on Patreon or buy a ticket to one of our live Zoom shows where you'll be the first to hear the new episodes, share your drawings or thoughts about the show, and chat with other listeners. For tickets to the live show, please visit dirtroadtheater.com fadpack. And now we'd like to share some moments from our live show. Hello everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Whoa, Lucy, were you making that while you were listening? Mm -hmm. Is it anything in particular? Carnelian. It's Carnelian made out of cool. Are those plus plus blocks? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Awesome. I love that. It's a Carnelian sculpture. That is super cool. Thanks, Lucy. Abe, did you have anything you wanted to say?
2: Well, uh, I couldn't make calm out of these things.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds like it would be hard.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Totally, Yep.
2: Yeah, totally.
0: Okay, Ryan and Warren.
2: Next time, can you try not to leave on a cliffhanger?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, we'll try, Warren. <laughs> It's very hard, isn't it?
2: <laughs> I wanted to say that I really like the song and it's going to make me listen to the episode again.
0: <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that was really um, Nathan, who who writes our music for us, wrote that song, and it was really fun to to learn that. I liked it too. It's very haunting. Um, Poppy?
2: I, I, I knew this.
0: Let me see.
2: spite spider and it's tiny. <gasps> Oh my gosh, I
0: love it, Poppy.
2: Wow. These are its webs.
0: Yep. Oh.
2: Bone eyed spider.
0: That is so, he is really creepy looking. I love that, Poppy. And this is Rowan has one. Yeah,
2: what do this you have? This is the bone eyed spider. Whoa, another bone eyed spider oh that's a web going up and, and then this is the ceiling and the pipe and there's a pipe that the hook on that this is attached to it's a hook to connect to the pipe attached to the ceiling
0: wow you really thought that out Rowan that is so cool Gracelyn and Oliver oh that is so creepy what is it
2: I think it's like a dragon. Oh I don't. I, I forgot to, to draw the wings. And its
0: mouth is really eerie. It looks like it's like opening wide.
1: Yeah.
2: Thanks. And then if you look close, you can see that it's like, it's like in between the scales, it's like encrusted with sapphires. I really love that song. And I was like waiting the entire episode for that song. This is I it's a picture a of Beatrice when he's she's protecting her egg. Oh. And one of them is really elaborate. Like, it took me the whole episode, but that one wasn't that elaborate.
0: Uh, and Lily I, and Willow? I colored this
2: one. Wow. And I colored this one. Well, I colored this one yesterday. And I colored the rest of them yesterday.
0: So you had both of Sarah's from last last season, the unicorns that she drew, huh? I loved those. Rowan, did you have something else
2: to say? These are nutritious foods for the bone-eyed spider. Nutritious
1: food for the bone-eyed spider.
2: Amazing. What kind of nutritious
0: foods does the bone-eyed spider eat, do you think, Rowan?
2: Uh, They're not nutritious to humans, but they're nutritious to the bone-eyed spider. They're popsicles.
0: Right. It makes sense that the bone-eyed spider would eat totally different things than humans. Did you say they're popsicles? Yes, he did. Popsicles for the bone-eyed spider. I wonder what they're made of.
2: are <laughs> made out of popsicle made of that humans have.
0: Oh, okay. Just regular human popsicles. Regular
2: human popsicles. But yeah. They're nutritious for the spider, but not for humans.
0: I'm glad the bone-eyed spider is looking after his health. That's important. And also glad he's not eating popsicles made out of humans. I was a little worried about that for a minute. Um, Warren,
2: he should be eating bones, bone popsicles. It would make sense. So
0: maybe, all right. So maybe the bone-eyed spider eats popsicles and bones, like popsicles. Or maybe it
2: has bone eyes because it's a bone-eyed spider. <laughs> I meant
0: that makes sense too, Ryan. Yeah,
2: bones were made out of bones.
0: Oh boy, this spider is getting creepier and creepier.
2: Bye, <laughs> Bye everybody.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Fairies and Dragons Ponies and Knights is a proud member of Kids Listen, a grassroots organization of advocates for high quality audio content for kids. You can find more great podcasts at kidslisten.org or download the app. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is made and recorded by Dirt Road Theater in Northfield, Vermont. Fadpack is written and performed by me, Marin Langdon Spillane, and written and created by Dominic, Graceland, and Oliver Spillane. The music you heard was composed by the amazing Nathan Lee. You can see more of his work at NathanLee.net. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you can join us next time.